Welcome to From Sin to Zen. We realize this podcast may not be for everyone. However, we believe there are no accidents, and we were meant to connect today. Let's consider a serious question. If the restrictions caused by the laws of religious dogma would have been able to bring the whole world together, why are so many leaving organized religion in search of a new spirituality? From Sin to Zen offers you an opportunity to contemplate what is true, which you will decide for yourself during our journey to spiritual self-empowerment. If you are in the process of re-examining old beliefs that no longer serve you and realize there has to be a more excellent way, then this podcast is for you. We invite you to join us as we take another look at some of the most important tenets of fundamental Judeo-Christian dogma that may be holding you back from fully expressing all you were created to be. This will take us from fear-based dogmas to a love-based experience, or from sin to zen. From Sin to Zen is sponsored by Soma Energetics Vibrational Tools and Training. Raise your vibration at www.somaenergetics.com. And Heartlight Spiritual Center, a spirit-led, heart-centered, Christ-conscious, loving community. Raise your consciousness at www.heartlightcharlotte.org. Your spiritual guide for Sin to Zen, David Hulse. Throughout his years of spiritual searching, David has challenged many traditional doctrines, theologies, and dogmas. He has inspired numerous individuals toward a journey of self-discovery by sharing his own experiences. As David has traveled through various beliefs about God, he now sees himself as a bridge between the old and the new. His stirring presentations of intuitive wisdom will inspire and challenge you to move from believing in God to the experiential realm of knowing God and manifesting the spiritual aspects of love, peace, and joy in your life. It is my pleasure to introduce David Hulse for an enlightened journey from sin to zen. Hello, and welcome everybody to the podcast today from Sin to Zen. And I certainly hope that you understand that this is a journey. It's a journey from old fear-based religious teaching that many, many millions of people have been subject to that is deeply ingrained into their psyche. I know that for myself, I've, I've changed my belief system so many times, but I'm amazed at what can come up out of my subconscious. So we really have to change uh, the recordings that we have downloaded into our subconscious mind. So uh, I see that there's a great exodus of people out of more man-made, organized type of religion, but don't want to totally give up all their spirituality. And it's not the same. Religion and spirit 
Spirit can outgrow religion. Religion is limited dogmas and doctrines that man has made that has captured and imprisoned the evolution of information and knowledge. So I want to say to you that even though this podcast may not be for everyone, but it is necessary at this juncture in time and space of our uh, spiritual evolution that it is necessary to challenge the sensibilities of man-made traditions. Now, I myself come from a very strict fundamentalist religion. You can't get more fundamentalist religion than the Pentecostal church, for you that are familiar with that. It is a, a very uh, exclusive uh, church that believes in one way and one way only. And if you're not following that path, then you are subject to some kind of punishment or doom whatsoever. And trust me, we need a great healing in that area as we shift from a fear-based God to a loving God. And where is that God? We have to find it in ourselves. And Jesus taught that very clearly, that his father was in him, that it wasn't some old man in the sky somewhere, some anthropomorphic uh, image of ourselves. Because uh, when I see the Sistine Chapel and all that, I see a God that looks just like us, reaching down, you know, to connect with uh, with uh, Adam. By the way, I just wanted to say that I've watched that picture and seen that picture, I should say, many, many times, but I never noticed that they don't quite touch. And I thought, oh, there's a gap. There's a gap between man, uh, a God, in the picture reaching down to man, but they don't quite touch. And today, maybe you're in that gap. I know I am. And there's a scripture that says, who will stand in the gap and make up the hedge? Sometimes the gap means that we are no, we're not so black and white. We're not so this and that. And maybe you that are listening to me right now have kind of been lost into the idea of those grayer areas between the, uh, the, uh, the black and the white, the this and the that, right and wrong, good and evil. Maybe you're someone who has come together into what I call self-common sense. Just common sense that says this just does not feel right to me. And uh, because of that, maybe you found yourself in the gap of family, friends, society, and culture, and people don't understand you. And when you try to share your truth and it doesn't fit the already preconceived dogma and doctrines, then therefore you are seen with suspect. Well, this is the place for you. This is the space that we offer you where you can grow and heal and mature and most of all, evolve to the next level. So let's look at some things today, and all of these are things for you to contemplate. I am not on this podcast to try to convince anyone of any particular belief system. I'm not here to convert you to any particular religious uh, point of view. I am here to offer you information and knowledge that has been my path for over six centuries in finding my way out of man-made, organized, fear-based religion into a time of the freedom of the truth. And when you know the truth, the truth shall make you free. And I believe that that truth is not in a philosophy, uh, it's not in a religion, but it's in the identity of who we are. I am the truth, the teacher said. He didn't say, I've got the truth, follow me, and I'm going to build a big religion on it, and people's going to worship me. I am here to teach you 
that what I have found in me, you can find in you. And even greater things can you do because there'll be more of you. It won't be one single teacher, one single being, but a collective corporate manifestation of those who embody embody the Christ in themselves. So what an exciting time that we're living. I'm going to give you this scripture to contemplate today. And uh, it is out of the King James Version of the Bible. Uh, and this is where a lot of uh, beliefs are built on in fundamental Christianity. It is in uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, and it says all, I want you to get this, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. <clears throat> now that statement is taken that everything written in the Bible has been inspired by God. But let's look at this. All scriptures, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Now, the Greek lexicon shows us that the translator omitted the comma after the word scripture and added the word is. And many of you, if you have a Bible, if you're a Bible student, can look into your King James Bible and see the word is is italicized. That means it's been added by the translators. So when you really read this according to the, the context of the language that was translated into English, it would say all scriptures, comma, given by inspiration of God is profitable. In other words, it is our place to find what scriptures have been inspired of God and what has been put in there by man. So the scriptures says, study to show thyself. Get that. You have to study. Now, a lot of you uh, have in the past, in, in the religious model, has had a preacher, a minister, uh, a rabbi, uh, a priest, a guru that has done all the thinking for you. And you've taken everything they said because they were the chosen people of God to lead. Now, I'm a so-called, for a better word, leader of a spiritual community in the city that I'm living in, but I make sure that our people understand that they must not get their final knowledge and information from me, but it is in them. So everything that I do does not disempower, but empowers the people to realize that the spirit of truth is in them. Now they listen to me, I do classes and I teach, and I want them to contemplate it just as I want you to contemplate the words on this podcast if you're drawn to listen to this podcast. And what does that mean? Contemplation means to hold it in a state of your mind, of your conscious, and not attach right or wrong, good or bad. Because that, that is how the carnal mind, the Bible calls it, or we call it ego today in the more modern term, but that's what it wants. It wants us to react without thinking ourselves. So we react to somebody's thoughts outside of ourselves and we make it then and download it as a belief system that is their knowledge, not our knowledge. So it's all about finding in them. And every minister out there should have the responsibility of empowering the people that they're affecting uh, to make them and lead them and facilitate them to the universal understanding that is in them. Now in religion, there's a word for that that would be in the Bible called the Holy Spirit. Now, I choose to change the spelling a little bit, take the license of changing from H-O-L-Y to W-H-O-L-L-Y, because I believe that it is the wholeness of us that is in a higher state of our consciousness. I know that's a, some powerful words, but I want you to contemplate that. The Holy Spirit is the higher part of our consciousness that holds all the self-knowledge that you need to grow and mature and to fulfill the purpose of why you incarnated into this human story. Now, if you don't get that intellectually, feel it, feel it, 
contemplate it and see what happens to you. So again, let me give this to you. All scripture given by inspiration of God, not is, but given by inspiration of God. Therefore, I felt many decades ago is my responsibility to research and search for myself for the truth. And as I came into uh, to be a minister and a teacher very young and realized I was going to dedicate my life to this, I wanted to know what I was dedicating my life to. So I tried to go to my minister, pastor at the time, which was family actually, and I asked them questions. And they said to me, uh, we don't need to know that now. That's something after you die and you get to heaven and you can ask Jesus and, and, and find that out. And then there was an old song which you sing, by and by when the morning comes, we'll all understand it better by and by. And I was saying, uh-uh. You know, I had this spiritual rebellion in me that I need to know for myself what's going on here. And I'm not just taking it because you say I should believe it or because of your interpretation of the Bible. Most fundamentalist denominations can't even agree on the Bible the same Bible and they can't agree because they've made it differently to fit a certain doctrine or a belief that gathers a certain people who agree with that. But it's not these people over here. So therefore they are not part of our truth. And on and on it goes until we see a world exploding today because of the fact of this great belief in separation of I'm not you and you're not me. And that will continue until we come to the core of the essence that we are all one spirit. We have to start there. We can't be one all human. We can't all be alike as a race. We can't be alike as, as an identity of a gender. We have a uniqueness in the world today that we need to embrace that diversity. But at the same time, that diversity must come from the core of the essence that joins us together into the wholeness that we are spiritual beings having a human experience. So I want to make that clear to you that it is up to us to study uh, for ourselves, and I hope that you will do that. And if I'm talking to anyone out there that has kind of outgrown the religion uh, of your past or uh, of your childhood, and, and uh, you're kind of lost because you don't know where you belong, well, what you're searching for is in you. If you're looking for the, the temple of God, now, there's another thing that uh, I, I challenge is everybody says the body is the temple of, of God. It does say that in the scripture, that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, but then to say what body? See, this is where we assume things and miss the essence of the truth that is in it. Now, let me explain why I don't believe that the body is the temple. First of all, the body in the Bible is taught that it is a house or a tabernacle. Now, houses and tabernacle are not eternal, but they are temporal. People move from house to house. And in the Old Testament, the children of Israel had a uh, tabernacle that they took with them. And, and they, uh, you know, they, everywhere they went, they had to rebuild it and whatever. So what is, the, what is the temple? Well, let me give you a scripture. It says that the natural, the human mind, body cannot receive the things of spirit because they're foolishness. That's why when you talk to people from a human carnal level, they don't get spiritual principles because when we identify with the body, the body is the thing that can't get what the spirit is saying. But there's another body that is talked about, the, the body of spirit. We're a spiritual body, we're a natural body. So if the natural body cannot receive the things of God, it goes on and says, for the spirit searcheth, yea, the deep things of God. 
for they're not foolishness unto them. So your spiritual body becomes the temple because the spiritual body is not temporal. It's eternal. And it says that you have a part of yourself that is eternal and made in heaven. And that is the part where this part of the mind, the Holy Spirit, the universal consciousness, if you can grasp that term, and you should because it is the language of our time, uh, is, is about consciousness and awakening and consciousness. And so anyway, I just want you to, to understand a little bit about where that comes from. So the, the, the temple is housed in the body. Okay, but we want the body to become a temple too, don't we? And so it can become a temple once we have the blueprint of the spiritual temple that's already in us. That's the blueprint for the body. Wow, think about that. You have a different blueprint than your ancestral blueprint, that your DNA blueprint, all the things that makes you a unique human different from everybody else is a different blueprint, if you will, a divine DNA in you. Think of DNA as divine nature activated. Oh, divine nature activated. That's what we need to have activated is our divine nature because that, that part of our heavenly father that is given to its creation is much like our natural father gives to us in DNA, right? The DNA is passed down from the father to the children. We all have different DNA, so we're very different. But when it comes to spirit, we all have the same DNA. The thing is, it hasn't been activated. So once it's activated, even our bodies, which are making itself all the time, start reading a different blueprint. And they're not reading the ancestral one because the ancestral one may have a, a weakness toward illness, disease, and maybe diabetes runs uh, rampant in, the, in there. Uh, even now we know that psychological things are passed down, like tendencies toward alcoholism and drugs and all that thing can be passed down. This is being proved today, how influenced we are by our DNA that is writing our story. But it's not the story of our creation. It is the human story. Today I'm offering you the creation story, and we're going to talk about that in just a, a, a little bit. In fact, let's just go into that right now because it's very important. And again, these are just milestones on my path that changed everything for me that I'm sharing with you today. So if I start in the book of beginnings, which is the book of Genesis, there's a few things there that is kind of important that we might want to to look at. We find out, first of all, that it says that God, our creator, created us in its image and likeness. Likeness. Like God, like creation. You ever seen somebody that has a daughter or a son and you see you're just like your mother? Oh my God, you look just like your dad. Well, we have a likeness in us of the divine. That all the divine is not out there in the sky somewhere, but a part of that divine is in you. Yes, you better listen to me right now. And all you need is a spark, just a spark to spark that divine nature in you. And your body says, oh, I don't think I'll read this ancestral DNA story. I think I got another story over here, the story of my creation. And I was created whole and I was created magnificent and I'm treated totally uh, with health and prosperity and blessing. That's how you were created. The other things is what we became, but we're going to change what we became to what we were created to be. 
So let's talk about that a little minute. So Genesis 127 said God created us in his image and likeness. But the thing that I noticed in the second chapter, and the Lord God formed us out of the earth, out of the earth. And I'm going, create, form. Oh, that's not the same thing. First chapter is about our creation. The second chapter is how we formed ourselves into an image based on how we were created. And that's where the so-called fall happened. Now, the fall of Adam is a, dogma, a doctrine in religion, but it is it does hold a truth. What they don't understand that we fell into was not sin, but we fell in vibration. We found we fell into frequency. We we fell from being a highly heavenly divine spirit to becoming a human body. And we took our identity up with the body and forgot we had the spirit, that we were the spirit, I should say. Not had it, but we were the spirit. That was all lost in religion. But of course, religion says, because you don't have it, we got it for you. So all you have to do is plug everything into us, support us, believe us, serve us, and we'll give you the Spirit. Because I remember as a young man, I wanted the Holy Spirit. Uh, in, in the Pentecostal church, it's very big to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I remember going down to altars and begging God and, and praying, oh God, fill me with your Spirit, fill you with your Spirit. And I didn't get it that way. Nothing happened for me. When I did have the experience, it happened to me personally. Nobody was in one ear saying, hold on, and somebody saying, let go. It was confusing because you, you want to let go and let God, but you want to hold on and you want to let go of the devil. Oh, it was, it was just crazy. Uh, went on and I just totally got confused and just shut down, said, I don't know what you're trying to do here. But it was in a moment, my moment, a fullness of time that I received that penetration of my spiritual being into my human consciousness. Ooh, was it powerful. It was so powerful, it knocked me off my feet, just like it knocked Saul off the horse when he saw the light of the Christ. It was so overwhelming that it knocked him right on the ground off of his horse. And at that moment, he was transformed from Saul to Paul. And name means nature. So a new nature took over him because the nature that he had was to kill Christians and to persecute Christians. And now he becomes the greatest apostle in the Bible of all the so-called Christians. So uh, this, is, this just shows us that we can have that kind of transformation as we uh, translate from the story of our humanity that has a lot of flaws in it. No doubt about it. When it comes to just being a body, you're always in need. You always need the healing. You're in need of, of uh, the finance. You're in need of so many human things that are so frail and so difficult sometimes to keep the momentum going. But if we could shift to the fact of what we think we don't already have already exists in our spirit. It's done. Jesus said it on, uh, on the recording of the story of the cross. He said, it is finished. What was he doing? He was celebrating creation at that moment. It's work. Celebrate, uh, uh, creation has happened. And I do not give power to form. Hmm? 
And his real crucifixion was not just the crucifixion of his body, if that happened. It was the crucifixion of his ego mind. Everything that he had been taught as a young Jew of the tribe of Judah, everything that he was taught uh, from his uh, 2,000 years ago being in the Middle East, all the customs, the cultures, uh, everything his parents uh, had taught him, all of that had to be undone in him until there was nothing left but his reality of the truth of the Christ. And you can't crucify Christ. I'm not going to argue with you about the man Jesus and all that. that that's a debatable uh, thing that it, what was it? Did it really happen and whatever? But what did not happen was the crucifixion of the Christ of him because Christ has no beginning and no end, no mother, no father, no beginning of days. Yeah, and you see, Jesus was of that order of an endless life. Melchizedek, Melchizedek. No mother, no father. So you see, he went into a place in himself that transcended his genetics, his DNA, his culture, and everything that formed him into Yeshua Jesus, the man. And the Bible is clear that once you know the Christ, don't go know him. Do not go and keep trying to know him by the flesh. That's in your Bible. Know him not by the flesh. So the church is still, it's all about the flesh of the man, when the man was here to show us the, the Christ of himself and the Christ of each and every one of us. And they will use this great scripture that says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, if, if, if Jesus is all the Christ and Jesus is out there, that means all the Christ is out there. So how could Christ be in you, the hope of glory? Is Christ out there in the sky somewhere ready to come back? Or is Christ in you right now? the hope of glory, but it hasn't come into consciousness. Therefore, that's the coming of Christ. The coming of Christ is in you, into your human consciousness. So when this all came that mankind began to see itself as a human body without the spirit, it went into a state in the Bible that is called sleep, sleep. And Genesis 2.21 says, And a deep sleep came upon Adam. Adam. Not Adam. Adam. Adam is like a proper name of some guy in the garden running around naked trying to avoid the snake in the tree and not eat an apple to uh, an identity completely, completely uh, different whatsoever that the body was a, just think about your physical body has to be a denser thing than say your thoughts. Now, if I say a glass or I say a, uh, a vase or I say something that is material that has a space and three dimensions to it, uh, you get that. But I wonder if I said, uh, show me the shape of love. Show me the shape of joy. Show me the shape of sadness or grief. No, that's a different level. The desk I'm sitting at, yes, it's solid. But my feeling about my desk, maybe I like my desk. Maybe I love my desk. But when I get to that level, I've entered a less subtle place of my consciousness. And if you keep following and raising the frequency, it'll take you all back, all the way back to the very beginning of nothing's left but I am. <laughs> All the labels have peeled off. Ooh, it's peeled off and all is left 
is the I am that I am. So the entire Bible from beginning to end is always, always putting out the message to awaken. All the way from, say, Isaiah, awake thou that sleepest and shake thyself from the dust. Or Paul saying, awake and sin no more. Everything is about wake up because Adam, not meaning a one man, but a human race because Adam, Ah, the Aleph, Dom, is blood. So it's the entire human blood race. That in the blood of humanity is a vibration that has put consciousness to sleep in matter. Now, the Eastern people have a word for it called uh, maya, maya, illusion, illusion. Anything that is temporal and has a beginning and an end, a birth and a death, is temporal and therefore is a part of the illusion. The only thing in God is that which has no beginning and has no death and is eternal. And that is the, the what's called the heaven, heavenly part of ourselves uh, that is in, in that place. So we want to offer the fact that what we need to do is wake up in consciousness. Wake up. And that's what we're going to be talking about. And we're going to get into a lot of good ideas to contemplate about how long have we stayed in this sleep. Now, the thing I want to say to you to contemplate is I found nowhere that Adam woke up after it says a deep sleep came upon him. Nowhere. That meant everything in the Bible was in the dream of Adam. Dream of Adam. But it says when Yeshua, the teacher Jesus, showed up after all those ages, he was called the last Adam. Why? Because the sleeping Adam woke up. And now Adam is awake. And he started dismantling the dream. And that's what I want to do for you today. If, if you need that, I want to dismantle your dream. I want to take away all the things that is so heavy on your life and is causing you uh, to be in anxiety and fear and depression. We want to dismantle that until all is left is the glory of the creator. You are the glory of the creator as a composition is the glory of a, of a writer or composer. We are the glory. So today, I hope that you will be encouraged. Contemplate this. Tell somebody about it. If you'd like to uh, correspond with us, I think it's on the website where you can do that. I'm more than glad to uh, look at some of your uh, comments and questions. Um, and feel free to express in any way that you would choose to express. I realize that sometimes when truth comes in, we get agitated because we don't like to change our mind which is the word metanoia or repent. So repent just means change your mind. Doesn't mean feel bad about yourself, that you're a low down dirty sinner, but it means that maybe you're not thinking in the right direction with the mind of Christ. So bless you until our next time together. Be sure and share this with a friend and tell them about it. Thank you.